Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. Good evening and welcome to Country Life here on Midlands 103. It's MJ Cleary with you for the next hour, bringing you the latest from the Midlands, further afield from the worlds of agriculture, food and agribusiness. Now, thank you all for joining me this evening and a definite upturn in the weather since I was speaking to you this time last week. Some proper mildness here these last few days and hopefully with the longer evenings that hour we got on Saturday, wasn't it? Just a tonic, uh, a few beautiful days thereafter. Hopefully we can kick on now and grass will get moving for us all. We can really feel that little bit of warmth in the air and it is exactly what the doctor ordered for this time of the year. On this evening's programme, the Ag Consultants of Ireland have had their AGM in Port Leash last week and one of the main takeaways from the gathering is that there is absolutely no salient interest in forestry from farmers. So given the huge interest uh, that uh, the government have in forestry, the huge targets that they have in mind, it makes for an interesting discussion. Noel Feeney, president of the Ag Consultants Association, will join me to discuss this. He'll also speak about the interest among his clients for the new Suckler scheme announced last week and just how the Ag Consultants are handling the workload. Busy, busy workload now for the next couple of months, especially with all the changes made to the basic payment. Adam Woods from the Irish Farmers Journal will join me to discuss the beef trade and whether or not grass buyers have hit the marterings yet. We'll also discuss grass growth on the Tullamore farm, calf prices and also how 1,600 calves are being exported to the continent this week in style. They're going by plane as opposed to boat and we're going to hear all about that a little bit later. Midland Veterinary have branches in Port Arlington, Tullamore and Eden Derry. They had an open day in Tullamore today with a focus on differing products in advance of the grazing season. Ollie Ryan from the company will join me later to chat about the open day and also give an update on where we are at with the never-ending story of the sale of dosing from merchants. So stay tuned for that. It's something we've covered here in the programme many times. We were hearing that eventually it was going to stop. You're going to have to go to the, your vet and get a prescription, go back to your merchant uh, on a kind of a merry-go-round. But uh, at the moment, we're still able to purchase direct from the merchant. So we'll see where we are on that a little bit later. Now, as always, text the show with comments, thoughts or questions to 083 30 10 103. Be happy to put anything to our guests here this evening. To start the programme this week, it is National Cultivate Week. So the Cultivate Loan is a financial package offered to farmers through credit unions. And the manager of the North Midlands Credit Union, uh, that's Tom Allen, he joins me now to have a chat about Cultivate, the hugely successful package that it is and how farmers can access it. Tom, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Good evening, uh, MJ, and good evening to your listeners. Thanks for having us on. Uh, you're more than welcome, Tom. Look, it is National Cultivate Week, so you're giving a push. All the credit unions are getting together on this and they're giving it a push. We'll speak about the loan in a moment and the logistics of it, interest rates and all of that good stuff. But first, North Midlands Credit Union, you have six credit unions together, four Westmead, two in Longford. Can you tell us the four in Westmead, please, that our listeners will be able to access? Uh, well, in Westmead, we have here Mullingar, first of all, and that was the original uh, credit union that we had. And then we joined up with, first of all, Rushford Bridge. And then later we joined with Kenny Gadd. And um, up late then we joined with uh, Castle Pollard. So all that area in kind of north Westmead. And then later we joined with Longford uh, Town and then with Lanesborough. So the six of us together now making up a right good uh, financial institution. We have put together with about 60,000 members and we'd have assets of 460 or 70 million so we're heading for half a billion and, and wow. just recently 
our lending went to over 100 million. So it's a substantial uh, organisation and going, going well. Yeah, yeah, hugely substantial. Strength in numbers, as they say, Tom. Yeah, well, I suppose it's it's the way a lot of a lot of things have gone. The the, the uh, number of credit unions I mentioned, they're the smaller ones. They uh, applied to join in with ourselves uh, over the years. The first one was Rochford Bridge, and that was back in uh, I think 2014. So bit by bit, we've all come together, and and, and it's worked out well for us all. The Cultivate loan package then, Tom, farmers will be familiar with it at this stage. You do lots of advertising for it and it's, it's well known. If we rewind the clock uh, back a few years, what was the, the light bulb moment behind this Cultivate package? Well, I suppose it started with a number of credit unions down the west of Ireland. Um, back, uh, it started in 2017, actually, and about four credit unions came together back in Galway. Uh, and the idea was that they'd be able to provide lending to the farming community where they felt and, and farmers were telling them and the, and the, the farming organisations were telling them that it was hard enough to get uh, credit. You know, uh, loans up to 10, 20, 30, 40 uh, thousand uh, value, hard enough to get them in from the other financial institutions. Uh, so they came together and, and developed a, a product called Cultivate. Now, it had a lot of help from the likes of the, the, the IFA and and. Uh, uh, Chagosh and people like that uh, and they put it together and then they looked for other groupings of credit unions or individual credit unions to join them and the, they, they kind of the method that we, we, got, we got together was that where uh, a number of credit unions would come together as a grouping and uh, they go through a, a training process and a initiation process um, and uh, then they would, join, they would join the Cultivate group so here in, in uh, Mullingar, we joined up with six other credit unions. We called it the Midlands Group, and and, and that group in, uh, consisted of ourselves in Mullingar. We were, uh, at the time, uh, we were called Mullingar Credit Union, now North Midlands, but at the time we were Mullingar. So we had uh, ourselves in Mullingar, we had Tullamore, Burr, uh, Nina, Turles, and Templemore. I don't know how they have stretched into the, called the Midlands, but anyway... Hmm. Uh, we all worked together. We, you know, we 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 got into the training package. I suppose the fundamental part of it is that all of the people who would be involved in 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 looking at farming loans had we we got them trained up. We went. They, they all had to do a training process and they went to to the Chagas training centres and you know a, de- a detail lot of training. Because another thing, I suppose farmers were telling us that. For that kind of money that I'm talking about, there it's hard to get talking to somebody within some of the bigger financial institutions who knows that much about farming. Okay, if you want to borrow large amounts of money, you get very well looked after. But if it's a smaller amount of money, hard to get talking one to one with somebody who knows anything about your business or, or how you uh, how you operate. And that's the kind of niche that that we were, we looked at, and, and 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 it's worked successfully for us at the moment. I think now we've that grouping is up to something like 46 credit unions, uh, maybe uh, something close to 150 offices throughout 21 counties. So it's, the whole process has gone very well for us. Yeah, you essentially saw a gap in the market, Tom, for those mid-tier loans. Now, they're, they're not small amounts of money when you're borrowing them. Anything 30,000, 40,000, you'll definitely know it when you're paying them back. However, as you 
as you rightly alluded to back in the day and, and over the last couple of years it's two and three hundred thousand people have been borrowing very easy to get looked after for that amount but for that smaller amount is that the type of figure then your average kind of cultivate loan Tom is that what you're talking you're talking 20, 30, 40 thousand is a little bit more is a little bit less yeah I mean the the the, the loan the way it's set up it, 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 the idea was that it would be a simple uh, process a simple loan a simple process so they're all unsecured lending um, there's a maximum of seven years. There's one rate throughout all the, the credit unions involved in it. It's 6.55%. And the the loan goes it's seven years maximum and 75,000 is the maximum loan. Some credit unions have it at 50,000, but mainly at 75,000. So that's the maximum. But then many, many of the loans we see are down in the 10, 15, 20, 25, 35 and I mean that there is a gap in the market and we're happy enough to deal with them and what's uh, the, the farmers who are borrowing the 10 to 15 to 20 thousand what, what, what are they using that for Tom I should uh, the, like I, I was just looking there before the programme at, at some of the statistics and God, there is a huge range of, of what you know what people are doing buying bits of equipment doing farm buildings uh, improvements around road works and that kind of bits of stocking second hand machinery often and working capital. So there's a whole range of, of what lads are, are doing, you know. You're very competitive, Tom, I have to say, on the 6.55%. It's it's very good. Yeah, we're happy enough. But you see, like, I suppose, uh, I always say to people, it, it, it's kind of what happens when you own the bank. Like, the, our, the people borrowing from us are the members, not just on the cultivate, but up and down the, 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 the credit union membership. They own the credit union. So we're not trying to make profit out of anyone. We're just trying to um, generate enough surplus to, to keep the, the um, institution going and to keep the, uh, the reserves and the ratios uh, in line with what the requirements are. But there, at the moment, there's huge pressure on everybody put up into uh, rates because you, you know yourself the way the mm. ECB have picked up rates and that's pushing up other things like mortgages and that kind of thing. But the same pressure isn't on your credit union to pressure up because uh, it, it, it's your neighbour who's funding your loan. You know what I mean? What's your view on that, Tom? I know it's a, it's a broader question, but uh, from a simplistic perspective, I look at it and I see interest rates being risen and I wonder, I scratch my head as to how it can help inflation. Look, you're dealing with this on a daily basis. Like, is, is it, I'm not asking for European policy now for all of the EU, but just in a word, like, do, you, do you agree with it that the interest rates going up is going to help inflation? Well, I suppose it, it's, their, it's their standard Bible. Um, mm. They're trying to withdraw money out of the system. But... Um, you know, I'd have to say that uh, for quite a number of years, they poured money into the system. The ECB poured money into the system, and banks and everyone poured. So even though there's a lot of a lot of things at play here, we had the COVID and we had the the supply uh, uh, issues, and then we have obviously have the war in in, in uh, Ukraine and all of the problems that has caused. But also. The, the system is awash with money and has been money being flooded into the system over the last, I suppose, 10 years. So like that's kind of coming home to roost now at this stage. Uh, and the, the ECB and that are they're trying to pull, pull money out of the system, trying to slow the, uh, the inflation. So it, it, it's a hard pain. Um, and I, I suppose we just heard there on the news, inflation 8%. So it hasn't worked as yet. Now, mm. there are signs that it is, but, it's, but you know, 
the inflation rates of 8% is, you know, it's hard to stomach for, for anybody. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. Uh, just finally, before you go then, if there's a farmer listening this evening and he or she is interested in the Cultivate loan, they need to get their ducks in a row, I suppose, before they go in and they chat to yourselves. What are the three or four uh, main things on the shopping list that they need to have before they go in and knock on the door? Well, I suppose that what they want to, I, I say to anyone, no matter what they're going to do, but think it out first. Think of it, if, if it's the right thing for you to do, uh, it's probably the right thing for us. So think your business out. Uh, look and see uh, what you can afford, what you need to borrow, how you can, how you're going to be able to repay it. Then you'll need, you know, when all, when you're happy with all that, think your own finances. They, you'll, if you're, you're farming, you're going to have uh, sets of accounts. So we need a couple of uh, years of accounts. We need bank statements, uh, details of, of of what you intend to do. Uh, and if you have stock and if you have um, machinery and that kind of thing, we, you know the amount of land holding you have, all those kinds of things. If you're in, into, into milk, you will be looking for, you know, your, your statement, your milk statement, uh, if there's a farm income, all that kind of thing. So we, we just want a regular picture. Um, but we're we're kind of, we're positive towards the farming and we're, we're looking to give the loan. So it's not a question that we're, um, you know, looking for reasons to turn you down, um, you know, but, but at the same time, everybody has to make their own case. And, and, and I suppose that's one of the points with us. You get your chance to make your case, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Tom, we wish you well with the Cultivate loan. It is definitively uh, providing credit for people who would not have got it otherwise. I know that for a fact from talking to farmers. So it's a great initiative and uh, we wish you many more years success with it. Tom Allen from the North Midlands Credit Union. Thank you very much, MJ. Uh, and as I said, Tom Allen there and it's National Cultivate Week at the moment. So if you are interested in uh, a loan, you know where to go. It uh, does interest rates 6.55% over seven years. Uh, I can't uh, reiterate that point that Tom made enough. I often say in the programme, though, that uh, you really only borrow money if you need to, if it's the last uh, chance saloon or last ditch, if you just can't gather it up from other areas. Uh, because, look, interest at the end of the day, 6.5%, it's good. Uh, but still, when you're paying it back, it still adds up. Uh, I know I got a farm loan back a few years ago for a shed and uh, it's on a variable it's gone well over six and a half now it's up over nine and I'll be really really happy when it's gone uh, you're chipping away at it the whole time but it's there and it is something that you can't ignore and look at the time necessary and obviously we all need to invest in our businesses and the only way to do that is through finance but uh, just to ensure that it's uh, an amount that you can pay back and it, you're not borrowing unnecessarily. Now, coming up after the break, I'm going to be speaking to Noel Feeney. He's the head of the Agricultural Consultants Association. And we're going to be talking about how no farmers have any interest in forestry and how it doesn't tally with government policy at the moment. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw, Burlington Business Park, Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. And you're welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now, we are moving on and I have Noel Feeney, Head of the Agricultural Consultants Association on the line. Noel, many thanks for taking my call this evening. No problem, MJ. Good evening. Uh, you had your annual event last week, your AGM in Port Leash, Noel, and one of the issues which came to the fore was the fact that there is zero interest in forestry among farmers. Uh, your advisors warned Minister McConlogue. Minister McConlogue was in attendance at it, and there's a look. There's a variety of reasons for it. We'll run through those in a second. But the overall, the overarching theme seems to be, Noel, farmers don't want forestry. Well, look at him, Jay. Um as you know, our members, 200 plus, are based all over the country. Some of our members are actually private foresters as well. And, like, 
over the years, we would always get numerous, um, you know, inquiries from farmers about a bit of marginal land to be planted, etc. Over the last three to four years, we've had no inquiries at all. And, you know, basically, it's a pity because, like, forestry is attractive. And, you know, it is a major part of our sustainability programme for Ireland goes forward and has been identified as that, MJ. So we in the ACA, we, 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 we propose to the Minister a number of actions, three actions mainly, that the, the current forestry regulations are unworkable and Project Woodland has not succeeded on this issue and that's widely accepted. And the, currently, the current regularity framework needs to be completely revamped. And number two, forestry must be mainstreamed into farming in India because since its inception 30 years ago, it has been ignored and farmers in India must see it as a credible farm enterprise. And finally, you know, the whole crisis of the ash dieback disease, you know, it needs to be tackled immediately. It's been left there and, you know, it's leaving a bad taste in, in farmers' mouths. In mouths, you know, and it, it, you know, it needs to, to restore confidence that ash dieback disease needs to be looked at. And, you know, India, as I said, a number of our members um, are, are foresters and, you know, the department needs to needs to target and use programs, and they should resource, you know, um, private private forestry advisors, you know, and private private agricultural advisors. Something similar to what's available in the public service to, to you know to offer a forestry service to farmers. And you know, we have boots in the ground, and we're dealing with farmers in day after day. And you know, PJ is just talking to farmers individually and explaining to them, you know, what the positives are and how it affects their mix of enterprise. You know, it's important that we would be resourced to do that. Yeah, looking back, uh, Noel, over the the kind of the three main points that are um, prohibiting farmers from entering forestry at the moment. The first one being the regulatory framework being unworkable. Look, these things take a long time to change around. They're talking about all this forestry going to be in Ireland by 2030. We're now 20, halfway through 2023. Uh, it takes a long time to get anything through the, the, the chambers of power. Realistically, like, what was the minister saying when he said this to him? Like, are they working on this? Are they trying to make it more streamlined? Uh, you know, trying, trying to get the, the paperwork across the line takes an awful long time. Indeed, MJ. Look, in fairness to the department, we look at the... the, the recognised there was a severe backlog and a severe problem there and you know they have taken on uh, I think I believe in excess of over 40 environmentalists or um, you know people that can deal with the environmental side to try and clear these blockages all over the country so uh, you know there, are, there is work being done and professionals have been taken on to deal with that but you know we have to deal with that and then going forward going forward we must have a, a proper plan and use all our national resources and, you know, get farmers to talk about forestry again, get farmers to, you know, to start inquiring and, you know, look at it as a, as a mix on their, on their enterprise because there's a lot of ground out there MJ, that is suitable for forestry and, you know, with proper information and proper resources and, you know, confidence, confidence in a new forestry scheme that will be coming at us soon because I believe the European Union will soon be, you know, um, we'll, be soon, we'll be soon passing our new forestation programmes and, you know, it's all about confidence in GN resources and, you know, getting to farmers on the ground. And that's, I believe, for the ACA and its geysers and its forestry members come to. Yeah, and look, the the uh, the new package, it is attractive, there's no question about it. There's some real money to be earned out of it now, hence we see these big funds coming in. They're seeing this money that's uh, available and they want to take a slice of the action. But keeping forestry for uh, farmers where it should be, as you said, it's kind of been ignored and farmers need to see it as a credible farm enterprise. Is there still a feeling out there, uh, Noel, that if you're, if you're planting the land, you're almost admitting defeat? It's kind of an old uh, thing that was among people in agriculture agriculture oh that fella planted it you know and it's nearly like oh it's as, it's it's as bad as selling it if, if you will uh, do you still get that feel from your clients out there 
look, in general, there's, there's no doubt about it. Um, that has been generally common. Um, but, you know, over the last number of years, and, you know, with the onset of COVID and, you know, input prices and, you know, th- things have changed hugely in the last four years. And the younger generation coming into farming as well, and they're looking at an enterprise mix. Um, a lot of these young farmers are working off the farm. And they're, they're looking at their they're looking at their enterprise mix with their suction, their sheep or beef or dairy, and the type of land they have. And you know, as I say, you know, slowly but surely, um, you know, with with proper resources and proper funding and one to one talking, you know, and getting the conference back, I think I think that will pass. I think it'll pass. I think slowly but surely it'll pass. And you know, but look, that has been traditionally there, no doubt about it, NJ. But look, let's be positive about this, and let's resource it, and let's get it going, and let's wait for the EC to the EU to, to to pass the new the new the new schemes, and let's get going and be positive about it, NJ. Yeah, it's kind of a mindset change. Before I let you go, Noel, you're obviously busy working in your own private practice. There, you're going to have a very busy couple of months ahead here, six or seven weeks ahead here, with the new basic payment changes and the the suckler scheme coming in. The basic payment, for example, Noel farmers ring you are they wondering what to do these eco schemes there's an awful lot of information out there there's not much time to process it all look at pj we're all, MJ, we're all struggling there's a, a plethora of schemes out there but look at the bits chris and eco is the central one now and that has to be done by the 28th of may that's the scheme that will qualify you for other other schemes that's the eligibility clause and the bits um the bits chris and eco is replacing what we would have known as the bps scheme and, and the greening and look at Advisors are out there. They're working hard to explain to farmers what their new payments are going to be. Explain to them, you know, everyone's everyone's entitlement values are changing, and a lot of them are dropping. And then obviously that can be compensated via Chris scheme and via the Eco scheme, which is an agreement scheme. So look at um, farmers will have to be patient because you know a lot of uh, over forty-six thousand farmers, as you know, PJ, was admitted to the Eco scheme, and we're waiting on fun- full functionality on the IT systems to deal with those. So most of advisors out there at the minute. MJ are dealing with farmers that's really in no scheme and getting their business and eco scheme um, applications done. So look at you know functionality in the new IT system is becoming there's a bit more functionality every day. So you know we are we are going to be busy. There is a deadline, but look at it's a whole new scheme. Farmers have to be advised. They have to be you know explained to them why payments are changing. Some of the bites for some of them are going down, and you know a lot of cases um, payments are going up with the with the extra money coming in on the Chris and the enhanced payment on the eco. So look at those losers and those winners, but look at farmers just to be um, patient and their advisor will contact them. Very good. Uh, Many thanks for that, Noel, and we'll speak to you again on the programme. And Noel Feeney there from the Agricultural Consultants Association. And many thanks to Noel for joining us on the programme. In relation to the forestry, I think one of the big ones as well, and we did allude to it there, and that is the area of ash dieback. Ash dieback and the delay in dealing with it just led to massive lack of confidence in the forestry industry. Uh, people just having um, trees which died under holding and they couldn't do anything with it. Uh, it was a, a contributor on the programme once, and I can't think who it was, but... They made the comparison of the ash dieback as an animal dying in your field and having to leave it there and not being able to do anything with it. And the the mental health which uh, occurred as a result of that, as much as the financial setback, was very, very, very challenging and very difficult to deal with. So there does need to be a a complete change of tack 
in relation to forestry no question about it also on those schemes BIS, Chris, Eco uh, very hard to follow there's so many different areas of them all now but I would agree with Noel on that contact your advisor early uh, closing date is the end of May and we won't feel that coming around so contact them early and ensure you're going to have everything put in in lots of time just before I go to a break I came across an interesting survey this week it's a survey on uh, the veterinary practices of Ireland and it was ran by an accountancy practice up in Dublin called HLB I hadn't heard them uh, IFAC run many of these surveys and we often feature them on the programme but this was all about vets uh, in the country and a very interesting stat is that 30% it was about 100 vets survey 30% of practice owners who responded to this year's survey plan to sell their practice in the next 12 months that's a, an incredible figure I thought one in three vets plan on selling I just wonder who's going to buy them all the other one which was very interesting and this came up last week I had a girl on the farm helping me last Saturday she wants to study veterinary and she had no background in agriculture or animal care whatsoever and she needs to do 15 hours she came out for a few hours and she was exceptional I have to say uh, but her issue was it's so hard to get into veterinary in UCD because it's the only place in the country doing veterinary it's the only veterinary college so when we think about the amount of animals in the country and the amount of cows for example over the course of the last number of years and then we have one college uh, putting out x number of vets per year i'm not sure what the figure is but it can't be a huge number uh, no wonder there is a dearth of supply another interesting one was that of salaries uh, the practice owners I would be guessing are not paying these young vets enough and that's why they are finding a turnover in salary uh, 23% of vets surveyed are earning between fifty to 70,000 so about 1 in 4 earning between fifty to 70,000 look that's for maybe 50-60 hours a week weekend work, night work realistically hard to stick it at that uh, so obviously the uh, the real high levels of profit are going to one area and the people on the ground maybe aren't getting it but it, it really is a vocation veterinary and uh, for the levels of pay like you know you could you could earn that in a in a fairly straightforward nine to five job where you wouldn't be expected to work nights or weekends it is a vocation and you will always have people attracted to it but that figure of 30 percent of vets planning on selling their practices over the next 12 months i thought was a very very interesting one does show it's a challenging challenging way to make a living no question about it and uh, that is that for this part of the program and after the break i'm going to be talking to adam woods from the irish farmers journal and he's going to be talking about how calves are going to be flown to the continent next week to ensure a consistent movement of exports so stay tuned for that Country Life with MJ Cleary on Midlands 103. And you're welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now we're moving on to beef and I have Adam Woods from the Irish Farmers Journal on the line. Adam, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Good evening, MJ. Uh, Adam, a few different areas to run through, but tomorrow you're leading on the Farmers Journal with calves set to be flown to Europe. Uh, so up to 1,600 dairy calves going to be flown to the continent in the coming weeks. What has brought this about, Adam? Yeah, I guess uh, calves are a big topic of conversation this week, and this has resulted out of a, a French layerage in Cherbourg called Pignet. It was closed up uh, last Friday pending an investigation into animal welfare standards in, in the layerage um, by French authorities last Friday. That's one of the big layerages for Irish calves to move through on the way to Holland. They need to go in there, get a feed after the, after the ship, um, and stay there for 12 hours of rest period. But there was an NGO got in there with, with some video footage and released it online, and that, that has meant that it's closed up. And so... The government wrote to Irish exporters last Friday to say that that was closed and exports would, would have to hold off. A lot of pressure on farms, a lot of pressure on exporter yards this week. So obviously they've been looking to see what else they can do. 
and this is one of the options, I guess. This was looked at back in November 2020. Um, it didn't happen in 2021, in the spring of 21, because of COVID. Uh, but we're expecting cows to go out there um, within the next couple of days and, and, and next week. Um, just to see how it goes, I guess, is Dairy Research Ireland is putting some money into it. Um, they'll look at the logistics and the welfare standards of the cows um, on the plane. It's between, sort of, there's, there's, there's one plane can carry 280 cows, I think another plane can carry 800. It's actually a plane usually travels, uh, transports horses. Um, to Europe, so so yeah, we'll we'll watch that space. It's 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 um it's it's an unusual one, I guess, and 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 we'll look at the costs and see where where that goes. But as I said, what brought around was the blockage and and around sailings. There's rough weather forecast as well for the weekend, um. So exporters aren't going to get out there, even if that layerage facility opened up again. The weather at the weekend, I don't think, is going to allow some sailings. So there's big pressure there on cows at the moment. Yeah, as you say, Adam, it's going to come down to the finances, really, isn't it? It's going to be hard to kind of see, you know, dairy bull calves going out on, a, on an aeroplane. when it's, it's hard to afford to fly out to the continent yourself at times, realistically. But as you say, people are trying to think outside the box. So, look, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I guess it'll really take down the travel time. Um, so speaking to a couple of in, you know industry insiders today, and you know that 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 was the lorry trip to 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 Rosslare, and then the boat trip to Richerburg. You're talking about a couple of days in terms of a journey, and then the rest periods and everything. So if they hop on a plane, I think it's in Farnborough or Shannon where they're going to load them. Um, it's 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 a matter of an hour, an hour and a half until until they get to Holland. So it really brings down the travel time, but obviously um, the cost would go way up. So it'll be interesting to watch that, and we'll have more on that next week. Yeah, very good, and lots of cars in that area as well, coming really from the heart of it down there uh, Adam we're talking on the beef trade if we just start with the March trade we're looking 29th of March weather's after miling up this week we're starting to see uh, fields get a bit greener hopefully grass growth going to kick on has the grass buyer hit the ring yet? Yeah we've seen we've seen a bit of a change in the last seven days um, we're actually seeing heavy cattle back a wee bit maybe but, but that young cattle that 200-300 kilo animal um, that probably the grass buyer has to nearly move back to because there's been such an appetite from feedlots and factory finishers and, and, and with the larger feedlots for that heavier animal, even around 500 kilos, that's taken the grass buyer out of those animals and, and they have to, would say, chink back the, to, the, to the next weight band, which is down maybe three, 400 kilos down to a weanland. We've seen those really kick on this week, 10, 15, 20 cents in some cases up. Um, so, that, so the grass buyers is obviously moving out and, and that's, would say, lighten up the trade a wee bit for those lighter weanland. Unbelievable prices. We're, we're up there sort of 380 a kilo for the top, uh, we'll say two to three hundred kilo bull calf there at the moment, which is which is unbelievable. And exporters are driving that trade for that weaning at the moment. We've we've a really healthy export trade now to Eastern Europe. A number of exporters competing around the ring, and that's driving prices up. Um, as I said, three eighty a kilo for that that top quality two to three hundred, um, and even three fifty and three sixty a kilo for the three to four hundred kilo weaning. So really, really positive prices this week. Uh, the uh, dairy bread then, Angus uh, Herford's Adam. Where would you be talking for those in that bracket, that store yeah, bracket? Probably back a wee bit, maybe in terms of obviously off that 380, you're probably talking maybe around 250, 260, maybe even 270, 280 for the good ones. Um, but but yeah, I, I guess the grass buyers in the market for them as well. So I'd say they'll kick on a little. We've seen sort of marked a little bit slow over the last week or 10 days. You know, people that would normally sell cattle maybe for the grass, seen that bad weather and said, no, we'll hold off another week or two until maybe mild weather comes and, and conditions dry out a little bit to really hit that grass trade. But we'll see now the first week of April, all those grass buyers will be out and we'll see we'll see, we'll see good prices, I'd say. And those, uh, those prices, those 370, 380, they're not translating across to the factory, I'd imagine. 
No, not at all. And I guess it's the exporters driving that. You know, you know, beef finishers need to be very careful there, and grass buyers need to be very careful that they don't get caught in that storm. Um, in terms of two exporters maybe competing for a really good bull calf. Um, as regards factory trade this week, it's pretty steady. Five twenty-five for bullocks, five thirty for heifers. Donegal meets up in, in the northwest on top for three, five thirty for bullocks and five thirty-five for heifers. Cows still an insatiable appetite for cows. You're up at five euros for ours, five twenty for ewes. Um, so so really good. You know, finished cattle supplies are pretty tight on the ground. Um, they're pulling an awful lot of the feed lots at the moment um, you know 25-26% for the month of February they were expecting the same for March um, so, so yeah finish cattle you know the ball is at the farmer's foot there as regards the next couple of weeks and I can't see anything changing in, in the short term I don't think for the next couple of months Yeah if we're talking maybe up until June bank holiday weekend Adam are we talking roughly the same do we see a slight increase I know it's hard to predict I'd say, I'd say, look, it's a crystal ball job, MJ, but I'd say it'll kick on another little bit, I'd say, but we're, we're seeing it north of the border, there are four, six pence this week of an increase, looking across to the UK, um, it's, it's really, really positive over there, Finnish cattle supply and very, very tight supply over there, manufacturing beef going really, really well, they're north of six euros over there, so if all those markets keep tipping on, um, there's no reason why we shouldn't be tipping on as well, and I, I could see it going another five or ten cents, I'd say, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, we're really in the thick of it now for calf sales, Adam. So if we just talk about the uh, the Frisian bull, for example, a square Frisian bull, about three, four weeks old at this stage, what are we talking on average in the, in the different marts? Yeah, you're, you're talking, I suppose, that, that that's sort of between 10 and 21 days old. Um, the, the average for those this week on our, on our, on our mark watch was the table is, is somewhere around 43 euros. Um, in terms of that, that heavier calf, um, is, is a lot better in terms of you know you're talking that that older calf would be up, upwards of six weeks. Uh, you could be paying you know 100, 120 euros for that farmer's calf. We've actually seen a bit of a change this week because of that closure of that facility in France. Mark managers actually rang up farmers and said we need to hold off those light calves this week and we need the heavier calves because exporters won't be in the market for those light calves. So we've seen we'll say that 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 good heavy calf, that good farmer's region bull calf is is a, is a pretty good trade this week. And as regards sort of um, Herefords and Angus, back a little bit because numbers are coming out now. We've, we've, we've really seen the peak probably over the next over the last week and the next two weeks of, of Hereford and Angus coming out. And the price has actually dropped back a little bit there this week. Angus is back 17 euros. Um, Hereford's back 50, sorry, 13 euros ahead this week. So it'll be interesting to watch that to see where it goes. And also whether those lighter cars will appear out next week. Given the, the trouble with sailings at the weekend, even if the Lyric facility opens, we could still see maybe a, a, you know, a, a rocky enough road for the next sort of week or 10 days for the calf trade. Uh, those Angus and Herefords are back a little. Back from what, Adam? Roughly, what are you talking for, say, those three-week-old uh, beef breeds? Yes, yeah, so, so, so we're sort of around 117 there for, 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 for bull calves and maybe around sort of 110 of that for, for heifer calves. Um, Hereford sort of up around sort of 125 or 130 uh, for the bull calves and again back a little shade maybe back to about 115 for, for the heifer calves so just looking at um, Dixon has a really nice analysis done this week based on last year's prices and this year's prices and we're seeing a fair old drop mm. in terms of prices this year compared to last year so you know there's more calves I guess coming on the market there's, there's some talk out there too that some people that went down that dairy beef road maybe um, has found it difficult to get waked in on calves and are not back around the market again um, so, so yeah, look, it's an issue there. I think we, we're going to have to grasp for the next couple of years as regards exports. Like we've seen, we've seen the problem that one layerage centre now in France can disrupt the trade um, here for a week. But if, if, if European legislation came down the road and, and, and we see you couldn't export calves until eight weeks or ten weeks, there's huge changes there need to happen on farms and huge changes need to happen in the whole industry. So I think we need to really sit, sit down and talk about that fairly soon. Yeah, no, hundred percent. You can see the knock-on effect absolutely, and, and no question those figures calves well back from last year. Uh, finally, Adam, before I let you go, Tullamore Farm, how's grass growing out there? 
Yeah, it's a gra- grass has actually kicked on a wee bit this week. Um, we don't have a cover done, we do it on a Friday. Um, it's just cold and, and it's sort of wet. Um, mm. y- you know, ground conditions are difficult. Um, we're really lucky that we have the shed sort of gone up this year because it, Sean's using it as a creep area there at the back and, and you know, cows and calves aren't under pressure to go out. Um, but 66 calved, um, I think he has 65 live, live calves on the ground. Lamin has started, so we're sort of peak, peak week um, there for the last week in terms of lamin. Uh, he's getting some of them out all right, but just that, that mucky weather has really put the pressure on us around the yard. Lots of straw being used, um, concentrates going into the cow, that, 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 that freshly calved cow and that just to keep, keep her up in milk. Um, but hopefully, um, maybe after the weekend, uh, we'll get back out and actually take the pressure off. And, and you know, gra- look, I suppose ground can dry out really quickly at this time of year and you think that it's never going to dry, but in a few days, it can change very quick. But other than that, it's been going pretty good. We did a massive day down there last Friday with 460 students in the door uh, from all local schools around Tullamore and, and further afield to sort of learn the basics of farming and, and expose them to animals and expose them to beef systems and sheep systems. It's a really positive day and a, a really important day for, for us from the Farmer's Journal in terms of doing that for, for people that might never get on a farm um, in the future. You know, a really important day. Yeah, absolutely. Adam, thanks a million for all the roundup there. And look, we'll chat to you again on the programme. Thanks, Evan, uh, Adam Woodser from the Farmer's Journal and I'm going to shoot on really quickly now to a break because I have Ali Ryan coming up from Midland Vet they an open day there today and I want to chat to him about what he had on offer and also what's coming down the tracks in relation to selling the dosing from the merchants so stay tuned for that Country Life on Midlands 103 brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tullamore supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands worshaw.ie now you're welcome back to the last section of this evening's programme, Country Life here on Midlands 103. And we're moving on to the Midland uh, Veterinary uh, Supply Stores. They have branches in Tullamore, uh, Port Arlington and Eden Derry. And I have Ali Ryan from the company on the line. Ali, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Uh, thanks, MJ. Thanks very much for having me on. Uh, you're more than welcome, Ali. You had an open day in Tullamore today. Uh, you had a busy day, a big turnout over there. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. But first, you're the expert on this from the Midlands, Ali. It must be at this stage. You've been on me three or four times. And farmers are, like most things, they're hearing about it. But probably at this stage, they're kind of not taking much interest anymore because they just don't know where it's at. It's the whole area of buying dosing from your merchants. So for the likes of yourselves, um, you're not a veterinary practitioner, Ali, but you're selling all uh, different dosings to farmers and have been for over, well over 20 years. Where is it at at the moment? Will we still be able to buy them off you or will we have to go to the vet to buy them? Uh, no, absolutely. Um, I think the whole um, reason for this uh, regulation in the first place was to, uh, it wasn't to uh, create a monopoly. It was to create more availability and more cost-effective products in the, in the veterinary market. It, it, it certainly didn't set out the guidelines of the regulation, MJ, were not to... Uh, Put all the merchants in Ireland out of business, but you know, it depends on the narrative you take in these things. When 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 the department started implementing it, you know, it looked like it was at the beginning of this that it was going to be uh, completely vet only products. That the vet will be the only one able to uh, supply and dispense these products. But uh, funny enough, as uh, coincidentally <laughs> that I'm talking to you this evening, that the um, the uh, the Arachnids met today on it. The, the bill was actually introduced in the Dáil at 6 o'clock this evening. And the, the crucial amendment in it, the one that uh, would allow us to stay in business, was deferred on the report stage because the Minister has finally and publicly acknowledged that the current proposals are, um, are unworkable. And they won't work. They won't work for farmer, they won't work for vet, and they won't work for merchant. And if you come in in the current form, 
uh, most uh, rural uh, merchants would go out of business and it would put a huge burden and workload on the vets because if you look at veterinary practices at the moment, they're overburdened. So at, the know, mo- at, the mo- at the moment, job. at the moment, Ali, uh, unless uh, this uh, this amendment was deferred, at the moment, uh, the vet would have to give a prescription to the farmer. The farmer then have to use that prescription with the likes of yourselves. But that's being kicked on. Yeah, Is that right? Exactly. Well, basically, in its current form, uh, the vets would have to see the animal, write a prescription, and make a clinical diagnosis. And then the farmer would get a prescription. He would come to me, or he could go anywhere and get it. But the problem with that is, for us, uh, when the farmer meets the vet, well, he's going to buy the stuff off the vet. He's not going to buy it off the farmer, for certain, because it's wherever he is at that particular time, he's going to buy the product. And to be going to get to to, to have to go to the vet to get a prescription to give a calf a dose of ivermectin is kind of nonsensical. It's, it's absolutely crazy. And, and, and finally, the Minister this evening in the Dáil recognised that uh, that system and that current proposal won't work. The proposal in which we're engaging with them on is around distant prescribing and upskilling the responsible person who is the people who work in these places, who are very qualified as it is, but with further upskilling. To provide data to a, a consultant based vet or a data-driven prescribing where a vet can prescribe the medicine based on the knowledge of the RP that's giving them that information to write the prescription. So that's that, that's that's the, the And would that, that vet, uh, would that vet, Ali, be maybe employed by the department and then take it away from the, the practices? No. Or, or would, would it no, be? No, it can be applied by the merchant or have a, a, an arrangement with, like, yeah. if you look at it at the moment, right, there's 900 large animal vets in practice in Ireland at the minute. There's 3,500 registered vets with the veterinary council, right? So where there's plenty of vets out there at a consultant level to do what we want to do. So mm. to make use of those vets are not currently in large animals. The ones that are in large animals don't have time for this. Mm. And, you know, like last year, the, the dry cow tubes, the dry cow therapy all went vet only. So that business alone was a massive increase in retail business for most vets in Ireland that do retail it. But in a world that we live in now, corporates are taking over the veterinary industry. There's a large amount of corporates. And a lot of these large corporates are solely you know, they're not offering out of our service, they're not offering night service, they're not offering any of that. So it's very important that the minister gets this right. And we believe that we've entered into a working relationship with his department officials and himself. And I think he's realised, OK, the first, the original system uh, is not going to work in its current form. We need to make amendments to it. So this evening in the Dáil, an amendment was proposed by uh, TV McCarthy that was deferred until the report stage, which is in three weeks' time. And at that stage, the minister gave assurances this evening that he will fully work with us to make sure sure that that amendment is in line with keeping every merchant in business in yeah, Ireland. And, and That's make, basically make, where we're at at the moment. Yes, and making it all workable. So look, we'll, we'll, we'll touch, it, ba- it, we'll touch it, base look, back on that, Ali. I'm just, I only have about a minute and a half left, so I just want a word on your open day today. Uh, how did it go, Ali? Did you have a big turnout? And what was your, your yeah. main focus? Yeah, brilliant day. Uh, with a huge turnout. People from all over the country came today. We were delighted with the turnout. Uh, delighted. I want to thank all the staff uh, for all their hard work and effort today. It was brilliant and a great team effort from all the Midland Veterinary team today. It was brilliant. Um, and what was your main focus had, today, Ali? What were you, well, what were you pushing focus, with the farmers? Suppose, 
over the years, we did a lot of open days based around sheep shearing and stuff like that. And we always kind of focused in on the problem at that time of the year. So at this particular point, we decided to do a little bit on dairy hygiene, which is, you know, the washing and cleaning of the milk tanks and the milk machines. And the reason we did it this time is because we find going into the summer, we have a lot of farmers coming in, you know, with queries around staphorius and things like that, different bacteria in milk and parlors and how to deal with that problem when it arises and how to deal with, uh, you know, uh, hygiene issues around milk and parlors. And we, we, we built up a great relationship with Biocell, uh, James Taylor and Vincent Kelly, who were there today and did give us fantastic feedback on... Um, on 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 their how their products work and any farmers that engage with them found them very very helpful and that's what it's all about it's all about giving something back and we're delighted you know with the with the feedback we got and the turnout we also had Pell fences uh, Pat Carroll from Pell he was there on on fencing of paddocks and stuff like that it ties in with that germinal seeds and the grass seed and DJ Barry and uh, from Acrovetting Cork and Gerald Allen on the mineral side. So with a, gra- a very comprehensive uh, range from for, for this time of the year. Yeah, so for, which, exa- you know, for, for, for topical issues, as you say. Ali, I'm just out of time. So look, I'll be back to you in maybe three or four weeks. We'll get an update on the, yeah, uh, on the Dawson. And I'll say thanks for joining me this evening. Thanks, MJ. Thank you. Uh, Ali Ryan there, Midland Vet. And uh, you'd nearly need to be an expert in uh, legislation at this stage to be following uh, what is happening in relation to that. But thankfully, the Minister has seen that it would be unworkable to take Dawson away from the merchants. And fingers crossed we can get to a workable situation on that. Uh, Because, look, at the end of the day, the more people selling as well is going to keep costs down. And that's an important part of it all as well, competition. That's it for this evening's programme. Busy, busy programme as always. Thanks to Tom Allen there from the North Midlands Credit Union. Noel Feeney from the Ag Consultants Association. Adam Woods from the Farmers Journal and Ollie Ryan just there from Midland Vet. Show is repeated on Sunday morning at 7am till 8am. I'll be back at this time next week as always. Joe Cooney's up next with Country Roads and you can get us wherever you get your podcast. Type in MJ Space Cleary, C-L-E-R-Y will pop up and you can listen at your pleasure. Good night and God bless.